Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Sitting here just thinking about one of the surgeries I did yesterday was revising the work of another orthopedic surgeon who did an ACL on this 30-year-old athletic individual. And they used the cadaver. They didn't use his own body parts. And uh, I always prefer. Doesn't mean it's wrong when other people use a cadaver. But I really love just rearranging the furniture in your knee using your own patella tendon. And that's what I actually did to this young man yesterday. And uh, took out all the stuff that they had put in there previously and did what what I would have done if I had met him the first time and did his first surgery. And I got news for you. He wouldn't be back for what I saw. It's almost like your body has to accept that foreign material. But if you use your own body parts, there's nothing to accept. You're just rearranging the furniture. You can read about it in the book, Heal Your Knees, that I wrote with Linda Yui. I got so many stories to tell, but I think uh, the clinic uh, has got to stay open because the lines are all lit up. Who are we going to now, Steve Paulette? Let's go all the way to San Diego. I think you passed San Juan Capistrano on the way to San Diego. Phil, maybe you know Ron in San Juan Capistrano. Welcome to the show, Phil. Good morning, Dr. Clapper, and thank you for taking my call. But I'm not from San Diego. Oh. I told Ron I'm from San Pedro. San Pedro. Right here in the port of L.A. Okay. All I know is you ha- you just, the correct answer is the 10 freeway, no matter what anybody says, although it's probably yeah. the 405. What do you do yeah. for – how old are you? What do you do for a living? I'll be 64 in July. What day in July? Wait, wait, wait. What day in July are you going to turn 64? The 13th. I am going to turn 64 on July 24th of this July. Congratulations. I know we have a lot in common. Oh, my God. That's a big day, turning 64, isn't it, Ron? I mean, you believe that? We're 64-year-old guys. We're out the cockers. This is unbelievable. <laughs> where'd you go to high yeah, school? What's your, gone by fast. Where, where'd you go to high school? What'd your father do for a living? Well, I went to San Pedro High School. Wow. And my father was a com- commercial fisherman <gasps> his entire life. No way. Yes. What was the, the, okay, you're sitting at the dinner table. Your dad is so excited because he saw or caught what? What happened? Well, he would catch a variable of types of fish, uh, mackerels, tunas, uh, whatever was in the net, anchovies, uh, sea bass. Was there you know, ever a surprise a, fish that just, like he said, what was this fish doing all the way from New Zealand? Did you ever have that happen? No, I can't really say that I have. Mm. Did he smell like fish, your dad, and your mother complained? <laughs> well, if it was, I didn't notice it. It was just kind of a normal smell around the house. Wow. But I, no. The reason I, I say that is there used to be an appetizing score, store where I grew up, which was the only indulgent my father ever gave himself. He never took a vacation, worked all the time as a carpenter in the post office. But Sunday mornings, he would go to the appetizing store 
called Toddy's. That was the name of it, where there was sawdust on the floor. My mouth is watering already because I would just stand as the little kid. I would stand next to my dad and his turn would come and he'd order belly locks or Nova Scotia locks and whitefish. And, you know, it was just uh, and he'd come back home and he would take hours to eat this. Every bite I would just my hobby was just looking at his mouth, how he would devour every bite. He took his time and he enjoyed this appetizing so, so much. And I'll never forget my mother. She had to say something about Toddy. The guy's actually name was Toddy who owned it. And she said, can you imagine his wife? She has to smell this fish all the time because this is what he does for a living. And I'm like, really? I guess people could complain how you smell based on what you do for a living. All these years (laughs) later, this is what's in my head. So anyway, I can only imagine being a fisherman. But what a great thing to be out on the water. What did your dad pass away from? Well, he was a heavy smoker earlier in his life, and he ended up having uh, heart failure. And yep. after a couple of bypass surgeries, he was no longer a candidate, mm. and it just took its toll. Yeah. And nowadays, they would have done a heart transplant on, on him. That yeah, would have been maybe, the solution. Yeah. Cedar sinai we do more heart 95. transplants than anybody else in the country. They do so many heart transplants at Cedars. I'm so proud of them because... It's uh, it's remarkable to be able to give someone their life uh, back with someone else's heart. It's just awesome. All right. I'm happy to help. What you do to yourself? Well, it's been about a year now, and I've been suffering from a lot of heel pain. I'm happy to say it has gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. It's gone from, a, uh, from about a nine down to around a two and a half. Good. But I've tried everything, Dr. Clapper, uh, the, um, orthotics, therapy, acupuncture, ice, a little bit of Advil, and I just am tired of this ongoing discomfort now that's in my left heel. All right, so you need to you need to uh, take me into your house right now and your body. When you say heel, so you can feel the calf muscles, you can feel the Achilles tendon, and you can feel the back of your heel versus what you're walking on, which is the bottom of your heel. When you say heel, you're talking about the back of the heel or the bottom of your foot heel? I'm speaking of the bottom in, inner part of the heel. Okay, so you have, you have plantar fasciitis. And well, do you told me that's what I suffered from. Okay, but you want a clapper vision? You listen to the show, yes. you know what that is? Yes. All right, so here's what's going on with your foot, and here's what's going to be the answer for you. And you're going to get better and you're not having surgery, and you're not letting them give you shots of cortisone, okay? And all those heel cups, you can throw them in the garbage. This is what you're going to do. So, the arch of the foot, I have to keep looking at the clock because I can just go on and on and on to talk. I have to be good. I have to remember, I'm on radio and you're not in the office here. The arch of the foot is actually two arches. There's an arch that goes from your heel to the balls of the metatarsal heads, the ball of your feet, there's an arch going from toes to heel, that direction, but there is also an arch, 90 degrees to that arch, which goes from the inside of your foot, the arch, the big toe side, to the little toe side. There's an arch going actually in two directions. And it's actually like when Yosemite, you know how have that place half dome? That's, in essence, what the bottom of your foot looks like. And what's really interesting, when the weather gets a little bit nicer and people are going to go to the beach or if you're already going to the beach, if you, if you listeners, Weekend Warrior Nation, 
take your shoes off, because you're going to do that, you'll be at the beach, and you go where the sand is a little bit wet, where the ocean just came in, but it's not soaking wet, and you were to jump in the air, keep your feet together, and land with two feet together, and then jump out of that footprint of both feet. You know what you would see? That your footprint literally has made a dome. Because when you actually bring your two feet together, it forms a dome. Two half domes become a dome. It's, it's awesome. To create that dome, there is a canvas-like rope that goes from the heel bone, the calcaneus, to the toes. And that's the plantar fascia. And the clapper vision is a bow and arrow, like Robin Hood bow and arrow. Not, not these fancy ones that they use in the Olympics now, but a regular bow and, and, and a string. If you took the bow and arrow, the bow, and you held the bow with one hand and you put it on the floor so that it's an arch, the bow is off the floor and the string is touching the ground, your foot underneath your skin, the, the bones are the bow itself. The string at both ends is the plantar fascia. It never really becomes a fraying problem at the toe end, the metatarsal head's end, although any, everything happens, but not usually. The more commonplace at 64 years old for the fraying of the string as it attaches to the bow, you know how it starts to shred a little bit because it dries out, that connection, that is plantar fasciitis. It's so painful. Albert Pujols, God bless him, at the Angels had to deal with this. It, it haunts us all. Eventually, we all pretty much get it because we dry out as human beings. That's what the aging process is. So right away, what do they want to do? They shoot it with cortisone or they do surgery to cut it. And oh, they have, there's even foot and ankle surgeons, and I know them, and they're famous, that will tell you that you should break the bone of your heel and reset it as a solution for this. Can you imagine? You need to stay away from these folks because I need you to be holistic. How do you deal with the fraying that is causing so much pain? So I had her on as a guest years ago, Jill Miller. She invented a company called Yoga, Y-O-G-A, tune-up balls. She essentially took tennis balls and made them of different sizes, different thicknesses. You put it on the floor. Hers, a yoga tuna ball. You can buy them online. And you do a deep tissue massage, not just for an hour, three days a week. You do it for two minutes, but you do it every couple of hours. And that is a deep tissue massage. And what that will do is, over time, that will probably take you three, four weeks, it will force you to be stretching. Even though at your age, my age, we don't stretch things anymore. We tear them. But that deep tissue massage, kind of like rubbing a blister, it becomes a callus and it stops hurting. But deep down inside, if you do what I say, you will get rid of this pain. You'll keep it from coming back again. And that is the way you're going to get rid of your plantar fasciitis pain. Capiche? I capiche. All right. Again, you're, a total, you're a total stranger for me. I want you to find a total stranger today and do something nice for them. What are, you have another question. Well, I just, because early on during the diagnosis from various podiatrists, I did develop a huge bone spur on the heel. Correct. That's, the, that's, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's how I know you have yes. plantar fasciitis. And if you'll notice, I don't know if you got a chance to look at the x-ray, the spur 
feels like it's attack. It feels like the point is going straight down because that's how much pain you're in. But if you look yeah. at the x-ray, you know what you're going to see? That it actually is a spur that's going horizontal. It's a traction spur. Why do you have that? Because as that uh, plantar fascia tears, microscopically, it bleeds. And as it bleeds, it calcifies. So it's almost like a, a, a candle lit with a fire, and it gets hot, and it gets more malleable and soft, and you can pull the candle apart while it's hot. You're essentially making the horizontal spur. It's, it feels like you're walking on a tack, but it's actually a traction spur. It's exactly an illustration of what I've just described to you. You're pulling on the anchoring side. You're pulling on the string that's on the bow, and it calcifies. That's what you have. If you do what I say, not in a week or two, but give it a month, you will start to feel better, and more importantly, it won't come back again. And you should do it on the other foot as well. I will. Thank you, Dr. Clapper. You better find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. I will. Okay, young man. Thank Thank you you for calling. Appreciate it. All right, Warriors. I'm going to take a break. Talked for 15 minutes already. Oh, my God. Coming up next, I need to go over the the sound bites that I made. Poor Steve Paulette Poe. We need to talk about the Packers. I need you to hear this story. And you also need to hear the story of Live Aid, 1985 with Bob Geldorf, where the little guy succeeds. That's the key. He raised millions of dollars having people like Queen, who you're hearing now sing, raise money for famine in Africa. That's March Madness. When Oral Roberts University can beat Ohio State. When UCLA can beat Michigan State. This is the beautiful thing with the little guy. The mouse roars. That's what we're doing here today, Saturday, March 20th, on the Weekend Warriors Show. Coming up next, we'll get into some stories. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Posts. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better Hello there. with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Clapper. And I'm proud. I'm part of an original crowd. And if you look around these days, it seems to be a doctor. Clapper. Craze. I'm a clapper. He's a clapper. She's a clapper. We're a clapper. Would you like to be a clapper? I'm a clapper. He's a clapper. She's a clapper. If you drink Dr. Clapper, you're a pepper to be a clapper. Drink Dr. Clapper. Be a clapper. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Google the Guggenheim. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, he's 
so good. Somebody to love. You gotta love Freddie Mercury. That fearlessness that he had on stage. Never gonna drop a note. Just the command of his craft. Just so special. We're playing Queen because we're thinking about Live Aid in 1985 where Bob Geldorf decided to look out for the small guy, for Africa and the famine. The rest of the world just seemed to ignore them. A world of surplus. God bless Bob Geldorf for showing us what you can do. March Madness. These little teams can beat the big Goliaths. That's today's topic. And I love the word wonderful. Let's listen to the word wonderful being used by Bob Geldorf. Let's go to number two. What can we expect tomorrow? Um, as you said, so eloquently. Uh, <laughs> Steady. Steady, Bob. Pop's greatest day. I think the Australians have just finished with their 12 hours, so it'll be interesting to see how they've done. And um, I think that it will be wonderful, I think is the right word to use. And I think throughout the day, I think the whole romance of the thing will finally hit home when the Russian bands come in and you think of some kids in Siberia maybe getting drunk, having a party, watching us all here. And in Philadelphia, it's nice. Let's play number six. Which, without a doubt, will be the largest pop concert ever held with the greatest audience and certainly with the most important artists of the last 20 years all taking part in one concert in one day on two continents. I'll um, read out the list of people taking part in a minute. The concert will take place on July the 13th, which is a Saturday, at Wembley Stadium in London and at John F. Kennedy Stadium in Philadelphia. This was July 13th, 1985. He goes to all his buddies and says, listen, drop what you're doing. You need to help. Don't be so full of yourself. These folks need help. There's a famine in Africa, and we should do something about it. Listen to who he was able to coerce. It's unbelievable. Number nine. Um, We also, last night, received confirmation from Mick Jagger, Stevie Wonder, and about five minutes ago, we heard some wonderful news, and that is that The Who, one of the greatest bands ever in rock music, are reforming specifically for this event. And two seconds before I came on, we got a phone call from Mr. McCartney, who said that he is at the moment clearing his desk to ensure that he'll be with us on July the 13th. Queen blew the roof off of Wembley Stadium. Of all the bands, the Elton Johns, the Stings, everybody was there. But Queen, really, this is Freddie Mercury's moment in the sun, for sure. Brian May, who plays with Queen, was interviewed backstage afterwards. And when the big brother takes care of the little brother, there's the word again. The word I love. The word wonderful. Listen to Brian May talk about what a hassle it was to get geared up. You heard Melanie Frost talk about running a bagel place in New York. It's difficult. It was going to be expensive to ship bagels until the guy from Goldbelly shows up and says, I got you. You're a little bagel place in New York, but I love your bagels and everybody should get them. 
The fact that these guys showed up, this gold belly, saved the restaurants, the bakeries of so many places because people in L.A. can now get a bagel, finally, from New York. You go to Gold Belly and you can get Essa Bagel, Melanie Frost Bagels. That's what today's show is all about. She was my guest at 7.15. You can listen to the podcast if you want to hear it. It's just great. But you should order a Essa Bagel so you get to really taste what a bagel is like. But listen to the hassle, how it was worth it for Queen to come to Live Aid. And then you're going to hear him say, this experience has been amazing and this experience has been wonderful. I love that word. Number 11. Was it hard to set up for you? Did you have to travel and did you have a lot of... Um, not for us, actually. For a lot of our crew, we had to fly some of the crew in who were like, indispensable to us. And our keyboard player, who's, uh, who's in the Bahamas. <laughs> but uh, we were all here, we're all ready, you know. It's fine. What, what, what do you think the day's been like? It's nearly finished now. I'm amazed, actually. I think it's really better than anyone could have hoped for, without wishing to... And again, you're going to hear that one. This is Brian May from Queen, who happens to be a PhD in mathematics. This guy is a genius, but he also has a passion for the guitar. So he's been a member of Queen since the beginning, Brian May. Here's where he says the experience was wonderful. Number 12. Do you think the audience had been different to a normal concert? It's hard to judge because normally they're there to see one band, and for us they're there to see us, so we expect everyone to go bam bam in gaga, you know. But to see everyone getting into everybody totally, it was yeah. amazing. Like, they all did our stuff, they all did what they were supposed to do, you know. And uh, I think it's a very special occasion. Do you have any knowledge of lyrics? Because they actually knew everyone's songs. Yeah, everyone who's there must be so devoted, you know. Yeah. And um, just a wonderfully good feeling, you know. That's great. Yeah, I'm delighted. Do you I'm, think you'll look back on it and think it was a wonderful day? Yeah, I'll probably watch the video and think, ah, why did I play those notes, you know? Hmm. Speaking of the world of sports and wonderful and small markets and being rescued by the big guy, Gold Belly rescuing Essa Bagel, Bob Geldorf and Live Aid rescuing African famine in Ethiopia in 1985. I've had the pleasure of being here at ESPN for 10 years. My two favorite football players who I've gotten to work with, Keyshawn Johnson and Marcellus Wiley. I love what they did with their careers in football. So speaking of that sport, the greatest story that is apropos to today's topic are the Green Bay Packers. This little town in Wisconsin is no way they're going to be able to keep a football team for 100 years because the owner's going to get up and move. Al Davis moved to L.A., the Oakland Raiders, then he moved them to Vegas. The San Diego Chargers are now in L.A. The Cleveland Browns are in Baltimore. When you own the team, you get to do whatever you want with that team. The fans, well, don't worry about the fans. I'm going for a bigger stadium or whatever the motivation is. Obviously, always money. But the Green Bay Packers, this tiny little town of 30,000 people, are never going to have to worry. Why? Ah, you got to hear this story. Let's go to number one. They were here before the National Football League, these Green Bay Packers under Curly Lambeau. 
The Packers have been great for the NFL. You would not have the NFL without the Green Bay Packers. It's small-town America. It's blue-collar America. It's owned by the fans. The interesting thing with Packers history is there's so much legend and lore. Green Bay is a very religious, a very religious city. The first religion is the Packers. <laughs> we don't go to church on Sunday. We go to Lambeau Field. Why is it called Lambeau Field? The frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. This was a bucket list for me. I wanted to go. My poor wife who puts up with me. I said, I want to go to see a Green Bay Packer game in the dead of winter at Lambeau Field. And I went. I don't think I ever had a better sausage in the parking lot in my life. The tailgating with the snow coming down. It was freezing. It was fantastic. Number two. When you talk about football in Green Bay, you always talk about the Packers, and you always talk about 1919. But football in Green Bay goes back to the late 1800s, the town team era. Just groups of young men who wanted to play this new game. Most cities across the United States, at least in the Midwest and the East, had town football teams, Green Bay included. There's an article in a Green Bay paper in 1895. It talks about the first amateur football team playing and how people loved the game right from the start. They would follow the football game passionately until the snow flies. Now let's listen to Brett Favre's coach, Mike Holmgren, who won a Super Bowl together, talking about it ain't ever going to happen again. This whole story that you're now hearing, number four. People can take a tremendous amount of pride in the fact that you have this small city having this great, big, larger-than-life football franchise can never happen again. It's kind of amazing that it happened the first time. The Packers are explained by fate and random odds um, and a miracle of sorts. Mm. They somehow managed to survive. And yet it's not only survived, it's been the most successful team in the history of the league. The single greatest achievement of the Green Bay Packers is that they're still in Green Bay. This tiny little town, number five. Curly returns to Green Bay Curly and goes Lambeau. back to work at the Indian Packing Company. He was working as a clerk of some sort. He was getting paid apparently pretty well, and going back to Notre Dame didn't seem to be an option. He was married on Saturday, August 16, 1919. Curly Lambeau was passionate about football, and he wanted to put together a team, and he wanted to keep playing. He was a football player who played in high school in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Went to Notre Dame, quit because he didn't like going to college, came back and worked in a meatpacking factory in Green Bay, Wisconsin. But he was an amazing football player, and he loved it so much he didn't want to stop. Number six. He ran into George Whitney Calhoun. Calhoun asked him what he was going to do about football. He said, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to play. There's all kinds of myths or legends about how George Calhoun and Curly Lambeau met. Nobody really knows whether it was on a street corner or in a bar or whatever. Calhoun allegedly said, well, why don't you start your own team? A bond is struck between Green Bay's new team and the city's daily newspaper, the Green Bay Press-Gazette. And now let's go back 100 years, August of 1919, number seven. August 11th, 1919. The Green Bay Packers organize. 
The inaugural meeting is held at the Press Gazette building in a dingy room on the second floor. Curly Lambeau was there. George Calhoun of the Press Gazette was there. Hard to say who else was there. It was at the Press Gazette, it was that date, and beyond that, much speculation. Which makes the Packers' history even more fascinating because there's so much myth to it. But there was a second meeting three days later, number eight. More is known about the second meeting held three days later. The follow-up meeting was the 14th. And from that point forward, the Press Gazette covered the team probably as thoroughly as any paper in any pro football city. Cal wrote us story in the paper and, and calling for a meeting of, you know, of, of players that were interested. He actually listed a number of the players you know, said, and intimated that they better report. About 25 young Huskies showed up and they started practicing three nights a week. Who's going to pay for the uniforms? How's this going to get off the ground? You need money. Number nine. Lambeau was named captain. Calhoun was named manager. They were just starting an amateur town team. Indian Packing Company was going to sponsor them, and they were going to play football. Curly Lambeau is the organizer, the coach. He went to his boss, Frank Peck, and asked him if he would help with sponsoring a team. Reed to buy some equipment, some uniforms, probably provided some footballs. Indian Packing sponsored the Packers for two years. Both of those years were their semi-pro seasons. It was not any more glamorous. It wasn't any bigger than that. Mm. It's a meatpacking company, number 10. They had no employees other, other than Curly Lambeau. All their other work was done by volunteers, the businessmen in town. Actually, the Press Gazette served as the Packers' offices throughout the 1920s. The paper is writing about a team it is basically running, and its editors have a front-row seat. What George Whitney Calhoun does for this town football team, he really drums up interest in them. Mm. Now you need more money. You need businessmen. So a typewriter salesman gets involved. Number 11. 1920. Things change. Neil Murphy, a local typewriter salesman, is named business manager. He took care of the scheduling of the teams, arranging with the managers of who would meet who and where on what dates, kept charge of the money. Murphy's first order of business is to get permission to build a fence around Hagemeister Park. Without a fence around a field where you got an athletic contest going on, it's pretty tough to charge admission. How do you build a fence? You get lumber donated and you have the Green Bay Press Gazette put an article in the paper all those interested in a fence around the field, bring your hammers to Hagemeister Park. <laughs> bring your hammers! I wish I was living then. I would have brought my hammer. Number 12. Turnbull and a local attorney by the name of John Kill call a meeting of local businessmen. Andrew Turnbull and some other business people came up with the idea of issuing stock on the team. The plan is, right from the start, to create some kind of a corporation that turns out to be a public corporation, a nonprofit corporation, to save the franchise, to keep it in Green Bay. And it became a community-owned team that was huge. And they issued 1,000 shares, around $5 a piece, and raised 5,000. The share of stock was 5 bucks, but you also got season tickets. That was enough money to keep the team going. And finally, the reason it's still in Green Bay is because the people owned it. There was not a single owner, because if there was, 
they would have moved out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Number 13. It didn't take very long for them to realize that the Packers were something that could bring Green Bay some notoriety. Over the course of the next nine months, they created the Green Bay Football Corporation prior to the 1923 season. There was the whole aspect of it being shareholder-owned rather than by an individual. That's always made this team um, special in terms of ownership. If a single owner had gotten control of the Packers, the team would not be here. That's exactly right. What a great story, the Green Bay Packers, the small market, the mouse that roars, helping Africa in its famine, getting the mouse to roar, Live Aid, 1985, Essa Bagel being rescued from the COVID-19 epidemic in New York by a tech guy, Gold Belly. Hey, I'll ship your bagels and you'll be able to stay in business. The best word to describe this is wonderful. It's a wonderful story when the big brother takes care of the little brother. Find that kindness in your heart. God has blessed you. It's time for you to pay it forward. And that's what we'll do. Coming up next, the clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar, and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The Waffogato. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Dr. Bones, Dr. Ligament, Dr. Cartlidge, Tendon. Mm. I'm a carpenter in the body. My dad was a plumber. I'd be a urologist. And we'll get into, I'm going to tell you who's going to be my guest next week. It will be a urologist. Fascinating subject. We'll talk a lot of plumbing. But let's take the calls and keep the clinic open. Let's go to Patrick. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, Doc. Um, I'm, I might be a big baby, but about a, a week or two ago, I was paddling out on my surfboard. How young are you? What do you do for a living, Patrick? 35. We've talked before, Doc. I have that uh, auction house in Los Angeles. Okay, cool. Love it. Um, and So art, surf, we're, we're kindred spirits. Okay. But what I was, you know, I'm, I'm paddling out and, and laying down, you know, my legs are flat behind me. I have pain in my left knee, what feels like a bruise under, I want to say it's like right under the right side of my left kneecap. And I, I don't, you know, I, I stand on cement all day or I'm, I'm in houses all day looking at things, bending over, looking at art, getting under things. And I don't feel it then. I only feel it when I'm like laying down or put kind of 
pressure on my leg, not putting pressure on my knee, but putting pressure on my leg, what feels like a bruise. And again, I went surfing this morning and I, I feel the same thing, but I don't have a bruise and I, I haven't hit my knee or anything like that. So it's going on for how long now? A couple of weeks, three weeks, four weeks. I mean, information, in my opinion, right? When you do your auctions, you want to know covenants. Who had this beforehand? Is this fake? Is this real? The information allows you to do what you do for a living, right? To make things worth something or they're worth nothing. The same thing is true in medicine. You need information. Two weeks is not a, a you know long enough time to get hysterical about anything, but you need an x-ray and you should have an MRI. You spend enough money every month on the damn premiums. You should get the information, and then you can be told how to treat it. Leave it alone, give it time, ride a bike, go to therapy. Obviously, I don't want anybody sticking cortisone shots or any needles in your knee, but what exactly is your diagnosis? doesn't sound like a meniscus. It's obviously not your ligament, but is it early arthritis behind your kneecap? Very hard to see sometimes on an x-ray, but we can see it very nicely on an MRI, and in my opinion, you don't need dye injected into your knee. But I think you should make time to get an x-ray, be examined, and don't let them quit there. Make them get an MRI of your knee. Do me that favor. So, And if they are difficult, get it done. You'll call in here, and I will translate the MRI report so you'll understand it with Clapper Vision if you want. But that's what you need to do. You need information, okay? Thanks, Doc, as always. All right. It's my pleasure, Patrick. Keep surfing. We love it. All right. We have another call. We good, Steve Paulette? Gloria, you got to play Van Morrison singing G-L-O-R-I-A right now. Yes. Gloria, there you are. How young yes. are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 64. I'm retired. I was customer service with my hands all years. But my question is for my uncle. He's 80. Okay. Two years ago, he had the gar- cartilage gone in his knee. Yes. And he had surgery, and now he is in pain from the hip down to the foot for two years. And his other knee's starting to pop. Where does he live? He's in um, Alhambra. Why do we love this uncle so much? What did he do when you were growing up that made you love this uncle so much? Uh, he's my stepbrother. He's your stepbrother? Uh-huh. Wow. So tell me a story of how he saved your life as a kid. Well, um, he was always joyful, happy, brought his family over. We had swimming parties. All the time and everything, and he was a hard worker at the LA Times, bending down, feeding paper down into the uh, machines to feed the paper. So he was always on his his knees, Mm. and so that's how he got this, you know, problem. And he was always just a happy guy with us and bringing the family together. Do you think, uh, he's 80, do you think if I could take the pain away from his knee, the rest of his body would be just fine and be a happy guy again? Oh, he's, yes. <laughs> then, you got, then you need to get him to come see me. I'm okay. not here to solicit patients, but it already sounds like he went to the wrong person and got into trouble because I bet you they arthroscoped his knee and didn't really take care of the problem. In essence, they gave your stepbrother... New linoleum for the kitchen, but the termites already ate the floorboards. Know what I mean? That's why he's still miserable, because the floor is still sinking, even though he's got new linoleum. The problem was underneath the floor, not the surface of the floor. Capiche? Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. So I don't want anybody giving him cortisone shots or any needles. There's a book I wrote with Lindy Yui called Heal Your Knees. I got it. 
But I, I think he needs to be looked at, and it'll be my pleasure to help you guys. He's a case. He probably don't even need an MRI because the x-ray will just so, show the spurs and all the abnormalities. We don't need to go to the next level. So you, on Monday, you tell the office I said it's okay and he can come see me early. You don't have to wait three months to come see me. Great. I love your book on uh, Heal Your Knees because I you. have the, yes, meniscus that you helped me with. Thank you. You're welcome, Gloria. And we're going to play Van Morrison in your honor. G-L-O-R-I-A. Oh, my favorite song. Thank you. <laughs> All right. God bless awesome. you. All right, young lady. Thank you. Here it is. Whoa. Oh. Only Steve Paulette can do this right away. When I hear this song, you know what I think of? When we had the Dodger trainer, Conti, Stan Conti, who taught us on this show the difference between pitching and throwing. You go in the backyard and you throw the ball to your kid, or your kid throws the ball back to you, you're never going to hurt your arm. But if you do too many pitches as a little leaguer, you're going to end up with elbow and shoulder problems. you got to have a pitch count. Because pitching is different than throwing. And you should be throwing to have fun. Van Morrison is the difference between screaming and singing. Sounds like he's screaming. This is actually isn't Van Morrison. Who is this? It is Van Morrison? Wow. Yeah, with the group that... Wow, this is early Van Morrison. He's not... It sounds like he's screaming, but he's not. He's actually singing at a level that only his tone can you can't copy this guy at all and he's been doing it for decades here it goes sounds like he's screaming the name the, the letters nope he's singing pitching and throwing singing and screaming only here on the weekend warrior show every saturday morning last segment coming up i already missed the show till next week wow that's one by fasty Paulette. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Coming up next, we'll go over. Next week, this is going to be amazing. Thanks so much for telling your friends. Each and every Saturday, the Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. From now on, I am not Robert Clapper. I want you to call me Smokey. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Dr. Smokey Clapper. That's the greatest. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Ah, Steve Paulette. I love when you play the Sandals, the band that Bruce Brown asked to make the soundtrack for his movie in 1964 called The Endless Summer. Top five movie 
in my life, the endless summer, which culminated in me ultimately becoming friends, taking care of Bruce Brown, spending a lot of time with him and his family. What a simple thought to travel the world looking for the perfect wave. And he did. He found it. But you really don't have to travel the world. You can go right here in Southern California. Some of the greatest waves I've ever ridden. And I've been to Fiji, Hawaii, all over. They're right here. Yeah, you got to wear a wetsuit. I got thin skin now. 63 years old. I'm going to even wear a wetsuit in the summertime. But when you paddle for that wave as hard as you can because you saw it on the horizon then all of a sudden that moment when you feel click that the energy that's going through that water locks into your surfboard you lift your arms out of the water it's like God saying to you I got you now Robbie you don't have to paddle anymore Go stand up. I tell people I see God in two places in my life. In the ocean when I surf and in the operating room as a surgeon. Surgeon and surfer has a ring to it. Like the weekend warrior. All right, let's take a call. Only a few minutes left. Let's go to Brian. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help Brian? Uh, Dr. Lepper, how are you today? Good. I'm great. I'm great because it's Saturday morning. I get to be on the radio with you, Brian. That's why it's great. <laughs> uh, I'm calling about uh, a hip problem I have. I uh, How young are you? What do you do for a living? 44 and I'm an accountant. Nice. You're a numbers guy. Yes. You know what my favorite thing in numbers are? The rule oh. of nines. You know the rule of nines? Did you know this? Uh, the laws of nines, the yeah, rules of every, nines? Every, divide by nine? No. Nine times two is 18. 18 is one and an eight. One plus eight equals nine. Uh, yeah. Nine times three is 36. Six plus three is nine. nine. I mean, it's like, who thought this up? It's unbelievable. I love it. <laughs> so that's why I couldn't become an accountant, because that's about as far as I got with the numbers. But you, Brian, went further than that. Thank God. What did you do to yourself? How can I help you? Uh, I have a pain on my my hip on the outside, uh, more closer to the buttocks. Hmm. I've had a, a, a couple of x-rays done. They told me they believe it's a hip impediment. Impingement, yes. Impingement, yes. And it's caused almost like a, a ball in my inner thigh. Mm-hmm. Uh, both areas cause me you know pain all the time. Is there any numbness or tingling down your leg or just stays in that area? Uh, A little bit down the leg, um, pretty much up to about the knee point, and that's about it. Have you had an MRI? No, that's the one step I didn't take it all the way through. I want you to do me a favor because we're going to run out of time here. I need you to make them get you an MRI. You do not need dye injected, which is painful, and I find it's unnecessary. I want you to get an MRI of your hip and then have the report in front of you. And uh, Steve Paulette's listening right now. You'll call in next week, the week after, and we'll move you to the front of the line, and you're going to read me the impression, and I will translate it with Clapper Vision so you understand exactly what's going on with your hip. Please don't let them shoot you with cortisone. 
There's a book I wrote with Lindy Yui called Heal Your Hips. You better read it because there'll be a quiz. But no, it'll help you understand what I'm about to tell you and what you should do with this hip that you have. You want to be holistic. You want to avoid surgery, but you still need a diagnosis. And you can say they see hip impingement on the x-ray. No, you and I need an MRI. So please do that, and it'll be my pleasure to help you. Thank you, sir. All right, God bless. Listen, you're a total stranger, Brian. I'm about to help you. Today, you find a total stranger. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. Will do, sir. Thank All you right, for your God, time. My pleasure, sir. God bless you. All right, Warriors. Next, next week, we have one of the coolest doctors I know. She is a urologist, Dr. Karen Eilber from Cedar sinai And her specialty is how the bladder, the prostate, and everything else works, the plumbing in men and women. But I'm fascinated by men like me, older men like me, when the prostate numbers go up and you have to have your prostate removed, it changes the way you can hold urine in the bladder. It becomes a valve issue. But the whole anatomy of how the bladder, your urethra works, I mean, think about it. You ain't making babies if the plumbing, the same plumbing isn't used for different things. I'm being politically correct here, Steve Blatt. Can you get that? That plumbing that we have that allows us to empty our bladder but also allows us to make babies is the same plumbing. It's the same pipes. Yet the switches have to be switched to allow for one versus the other. Yet when you do prostate surgery, one of the horrible complications is people have lost the sphincter ability to hold the urine. Uh, And that's a specialty for her of dealing with that. So I'm already thinking about where in sports do you have multifunction of the same pipes? Staples Center, right? They play LA Kings game. There's ice there. There's a hockey rink. But they also have to put the floor on top for the Lakers to play. We won't even think about the Clippers. Just the, the Lakers to play. And legendary was that issue with the Boston Bruins, the hockey team in Boston, and the Celtics, the hated Celtics. That Larry Bird knew with, with there were weak spots in the flooring in that old stadium so that when he did his shot, he knew where the shot had to be adjusted because the floor would seep and feel the coldness. I want to get into multi-use of the same plumbing. That'll be the story for next Saturday. Until then, I leave you with Volare, which is two things. We're singing and we're flying. And thanks for joining me, and I'll see you on the radio. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.